All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Not the Final Cut. I'm your host, Greg Susi, and with me today is your host, Sam Brown. What is going on? Yeah, not much, man. Glad to be back. Back on. So, what have you been watching recently? To so, get into it here, get some recent recent watches, recent recs for the for the audience. Uh, the last week, I watched, uh, I rewatched Upgrade, which is uh, like a sci-fi movie that uh, Lee Winnell did. He did um, Invisible Man. Great director. Upgrade's fantastic. I love that movie. Is that on? Is that on Netflix? Working. Uh, I don't know. I I, I oh, that's I, upload. I I'm upload. thinking of I'm thinking of upload. There's a movie okay. out there right now, streaming gotcha. project called Upload. Never mind. So I, I watched that. I watched a pretty famous documentary called Grey Gardens, which is about two kind of eccentric old women who are related to Jackie Kennedy, but it's just about like, you know, they're weird. It's pretty <laughs> cool. It's very strange. Is um, it like in, informative or is it more of like a one of those, it's, almost like, have, have you seen Night Stalker? It's about like the... California killer it's, it's more of like a dramatic like a dramatized doc I've not seen that I, I wouldn't call this dramatic I think it's just like kind of we follow these these ladies around their house it's like a disheveled house that they were like constantly getting uh letters from the city from because they didn't keep it up but it's this mansion like gothic Victorian looking mansion um and they I don't know just kind of them talking about their past and a lot of people have taken it as like a a commentary on like what living in the past can can do to a person's life or whatever. I don't know. It's very strange, but it is pretty interesting to watch. It's from the 70s. I think it's from 75. So it's also parodied in uh Bill Hader and Fred Arneson show documentary now. The second episode, cool. I or maybe the first episode, I don't know. One of them is a parody of Great Gardens. But so I watched those. Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was uh, nothing. It's a fine, okay movie. Right. And today I watched uh, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire, which I will be talking about later. Oh, all right. Sounds good. So, yeah, recently I've been on like a, a thriller kick. So it started with Deep Water, which is Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck in this kind of like dramatic like it's like a bad marriage and guys keep disappearing and she's like having these affairs it's it's kind of a crazy movie um it was okay i mean it had you know average reviews my friend said like give it a watch and i, I liked it but it was it wasn't anything special but it was like you know grabbed my attention kept it um and then after after last week's endings episode uh i had to go and give it follows a watch because that was on your list great movie. and i I want to watch it again, like immediately after. It was the camera work was insane. Just to give it a quick thing, the camera work was insane. The plot grabbed me. It was just the ending was perfect. So I credit you to having that in your top ten. What did you um, think of the uh, the tall man jump scare? Oh my god, that was horrifying. It's my it's my favorite like, jump scare in movie history. He came out of nowhere, and like I didn't know it could like shape shift like that yet. Like I mm-hmm. I thought it like picked the thing, like it could be it could look like anything, but it picked. And then it was that. Yeah. And then this guy just comes out of nowhere. And it, oh, man. Yeah, that was it was really good. I I said that after the movie, actually, to my roommates, because they all I mean, they all kind of came in 10 minutes into the movie. And we're like, oh, my God, this yeah. is so cool. But after that, again, staying on the thriller kick, I watched Fresh, 
with Sebastian Stan. I haven't seen um, it yet. I want to. It's nuts. It's almost like I I give him a lot of credit, and again, I'm not saying like direct because I don't know who directed like most of these besides David Robert Mitchell and It Follows, but he gave me so much vibes of like a reincarnate Patrick Bateman, you know, uh, like American Psycho. It was really, really cool. And I, I was pretty blind going into it because it was on all it says on like its plot summary is the horrors of modern dating, which is so, so surface of like what the act, the movie actually is. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I'd recommend. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it eventually. I just haven't gotten around to it. And then I got around, you know, I've, I've been trying to work to do, I got most of my Oscars ones done before the show. And then the only one, it came on HBO Max like a day before and I didn't have time was King Richard. Obviously that was up for best picture and our, our man Will got, <laughs> got yeah. nominated, but, uh, and, and obviously won. I loved the movie. It was moving. He did a great job playing Richard Williams. Like, I mean, I wouldn't take that away from him. It was fantastic. I understand all the acclaim for it. And now I just have to get through, like, I think, again, Belfast and Coda are the two remaining I had on the best picture list. But since we're talking about... Yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, what happened? (laughs) And also, (laughs) just for the sake of however long this lasts on the internet, in case it gets forgotten in time, what happened? I'll let you explain what happened. All right. So, yeah, for those of you, again, if you're listening to this is... (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast, not the final cut, I'm sure you uh, know what happened at the Oscars. But for those of you that maybe missed it somehow and you don't have internet access, <laughs> Will Smith, you know, there were, Chris Rock came on stage and he was just, he was going to be given an award for, I believe, achievement in documentary film. And he's up there doing his little couple of jokes. Right? Up, by the way. Right. That's right. And he was doing his couple little bits beforehand. You know, he, he made a joke about how Javier Bardem couldn't win if Penelope Cruz didn't. So he made a quick joke about that. And he, he part of that joke was that he was begging that Will Smith would win, you know, should that happen. And so then he looked over at the Smiths, I guess, and he saw Jada with her shaved head. And he said, Jada, love you. G.I. Jane, too. Can't wait to see it. And Will started laughing at the joke right away. And then Jada looked upset. And Will Smith went on stage and, you know, just slapped Chris Rock across the face. And then in, they cut the broadcast. What we later found out, he said, he just says, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And he says it again. And then Chris Rock kind of just, I give him a lot of credit. Diffusing the situation, just kind of saying, well, that was the greatest night that ever happened on television. And just trying to keep the show going, you know. But so, Sam, that's that's the gist of what happened, again, for anyone who, has just not been alive for the past couple of weeks or days, I guess. Um, but why don't you just, you give me your take and I'll give you my little, little take on it. Um, and we can just get that out there and out of the way since it's literally just most people in the industry have been talking about that for the last, since Sunday. So I think my initial take, my initial thoughts on it were the same as everyone else, which is that's hilarious. Will Smith just smacked Chris Rock in the face. That's very funny. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you start getting like Twitter think pieces and people are given their two cents. And I very quickly got to the point where I don't care. I don't know. I am a, a fairly cynical person. 
And I think just asking me to care that one millionaire slapped another millionaire because he insulted that millionaire's millionaire wife. I don't know. I, I just, I can't bring myself to, to care about this at all. I don't like any of the people involved. I, I don't care. See, I've heard that opinion from a lot of people too. And I, I get it. I do. Like even my one roommate, again, he's, he's not like a huge movie guy. And even so, like he beyond movies in general, like he hates award shows. And he was like, I also rich hate people doing, he's like, yeah, he's like rich people doing rich people things to like pat each other on the back or whatever. But I said to him, because I was like, the only reason I was so invested again is because I love Will Smith. I've always loved Will Smith. I've, most of his movies, like he's, I've, I think I've called him one of my favorite actors like before. Um, but so I was like shocked to see this because I thought he was like so above this, you know. But again, in, in this scenario, I think it's inexcusable. And I understand Jada has alopecia and it's like a condition, but she's been on before saying like, there's a video of her saying like, I, I don't care about like what this is or what this says about me because like people can talk, talk about it or whatever. So that kind of disregards it. And then also the fact that Will laughed initially, I think was interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I get, I get wanting to defend uh, your, like, your wife and your respect. But again, what their marriage is too is kind of interesting. And, and the fact that Regina Hall made a joke about them having like an open marriage earlier that night and that didn't cut deep enough for him to do something or say something. And again, if you're offended, there's a right way to do it. Is my, this is the base of my take is like, don't go up there and make a scene like that. Address it afterwards respectfully or like in a, in a more mature fashion. And I, again, I give Chris Rock all the credit in the world for being so composed and keeping the show going after something like that just happened. I mean, that is stunning. Yeah. yeah. It's like there is, I would be shaking. I, I would, he just, he went on, made his jokes. But then to Will's credit, not credit, but like what you have to think about though is you can't, even as bad as it was, I don't think you should judge the man only on his worst moment. Cause I don't think you can judge any human being on their worst moment. And I think that only happens to him right now because cameras are on him because the whole world is watching this. Cause it's like the biggest things that are happening to the Oscars. Like this beats Kanye at the VMAs. <laughs> so for that reason, I just, I just think you can't judge someone only on their worst moment, but this was, it was, it was bad. I mean, you can't, it was just a horrible way to go about things. Yeah. I, um, I think so. I take a journalism writing class right now. And one of the things that we, part of the curriculum is talking about types of people when you're writing a story. And there's private citizens, public figures, which would be politicians, celebrities, and then something my professor calls a void. And it's someone who isn't really a celebrity, but that their goal is to get on the news. And I think both Jada uh, Pinkett Smith and Will Smith are celebrities, but they also kind of had have voidish tendencies where I think they like to be in the public eye. And it was the thing with their, uh, the red table talks and stuff. They like to put stuff out in the public and I don't know, that annoys me. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, that's very, that's a good take. I, I totally get that. Um, so, I think that's all. We, again, I don't want to take too much time yeah. talking about what happened at the Oscars, but that addresses that one big elephant in the movie world and kind of just the whole world at this point, because everyone does seem to be weighing and giving their opinions. But moving on to this week's episode. I'm excited about this one. I know 
back when we were first talking about doing this, when you sent me this idea, I was, I was really excited to do it because it's, you know, something that a lot of people complain about and yes. something a lot of people love. And that's the essence of it. So it is best, worst, and should be remakes in movies. What, what, what brought this idea to you, Sam, when you first drafted it up? So this essentially came from, I already had lists on Letterboxd for these things because of the uh, English language remake that they're doing of Train to Busan. People were very upset. I'm kind of frustrated because it doesn't make any sense in my opinion. But uh, so it got me thinking like, are remakes ever good? If so, what are the good ones? What are the obvious bad ones? And then like, what are some that I think could, could do for a, an update, a remake? So yeah. And those English, sometimes again, yeah, the, for, the foreign to English usually are never like the in-between ones. It's always like, that's either hit or miss. I mean, I don't want to give away anything on your list because I, I did cut this one off of mine. But like you have something as bad as one missed call and you have something as good as the departed, both from like Japanese, you know? So that's just a quick example, but I don't, I don't know if that's on yours. So no, let's get into it. Yeah, I'm going to, I have, I think, six or so on my best, like four on the worst and then just uh like five should so it's all about the same but i've got five on each so i'm good yeah yeah they're all about the same so how do you want to do this you want to go through uh best first or best last or best worst should best worst should best worst should it's up to you man i think we should do uh best and then we hand off worst we hand off should we hand off does that make sense all right cool let's start with best Okay. Uh, and also, first best. The mine are in no particular order. Oh, I didn't no, yeah, order no, them. yeah. I meant first, just in like we're yeah. going to talk about it first. Mine are also, I, I, these were, this is the type of thing where I couldn't really order it just because of the nature of what it is. So the first one I'm going to, it's the first one I always think of when I think about remakes and remakes I like. It's John Carpenter's The Thing. I talked about it last week. It is a remake of a movie called uh, A Thing from Another World from the, oh, geez, I want to say 40s. I could be wrong. It's different. It's not the same plot. It's the same idea. And he expands on it and turns it into something else. The alien's not the same. The, the plot isn't the same. And I think that is, in my opinion, the best way to do a remake. And that's why I think it's one of the best remakes ever. So that's my first one. That's pretty, yeah, again. That it does seem like that movie really grabs you as that's now made two of your lists on two of our first three episodes. It is one um, of my favorite movies. Yeah, for sure. And totally understandable too, for all the reasons you talked about in the other episode. Sticking with the same wave with you in that the reimagining really works. Um, I've decided to go for my first uh, best one with Jumanji. And again, the, for my list, it's not to say that, like the old one was bad by any means, because like I love the original Jumanji. But I thought the the new one with you know Kevin Hart and The Rock, uh, I think uh, Emily Blunt maybe or someone else. It was uh, just I forgot the girl's name. Uh, it's Karen not Gillen. Emily Blunt. Yes, yes. Um, it was not the same by any extent. You know, instead of bringing the game to life, you go into the game. It was creative. A lot of the CGI was really well done. I thought. And I mean, there was some like kind of hokey stuff, the fact that like some of the game pop-ups, but beyond that, I mean, the, the, the story was there, the characters developed well. It was, I think, just really well-rounded. So that's why yeah, I, I, 
Uh, I remember seeing that, I believe I saw it on New Year's Day in the movie theaters. And I thought it was going to be horrible. And I was surprising. Like, I was surprised. I enjoyed it. It's yeah. a fun watch. Yeah, for real. It's, it is, it's fun. That's the word. And it, it was surprising because I also thought, man, I love the first one. There's no way. But people always say that, you know. Yeah. yeah it was good. So All right. for my number two, I'm going to go in a complete opposite direction. Uh, and this is a shot for shot remake. It is Michael Haneke's 2007 remake of his own film, Funny Games. So Funny Games, uh, the original, was written to be a critique of movie audiences and their desire for um, kind of like depraved things. So it's an extremely violent movie, but it's also criticizing the want for violent movies where you, you see what's happening and you're disgusted by it, but you kind of root for it to keep going because you want it to be scary and, and, and whatnot. Um, the remake, the reason he remade it was because it was made for Western audiences. Who he was criticizing were Western audiences and they didn't watch it because it was an Austrian film. So he essentially said, the people who I'm criticizing didn't see it, so I'm gonna make it again to make sure that they see it. And he made the whole movie exactly the same. And I think it's worse because I think the acting isn't as good. And I think just like the vibe of the original is better, but it's really interesting to see a director like say the people didn't get the vision the first time. I'm gonna like make sure that they see it this time. I'm gonna do it again. Exactly. And I just, that's wow. such a creative idea. And it's still a good movie. I just think the original is better. Right. And again, that's not even something up to the director based on what you said. I mean, if, if the, yeah. the actors just didn't deliver as good a performances or as convincing as you thought the first one was, that's, at that point, it's kind of out of his hands. I mean, you can, do, you can give notes and things like that, but at a certain point, and maybe that's not how everyone feels. Like, it could just be like a, a you thing. Like maybe you just connected with the other ones differently. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, it, that's, a good, that's a good one. It's mainly two characters. The, the villainous characters, I feel, are much more impactful in the original movie. For sure. So again, similar wave to my first one. Then this is very much again not chopper shot, but similar wave that it was kind of reimagined. Similar concept, uh, differently done. Ocean's Eleven, the old I'm... you know the 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 Rat Pack, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, um, Sammy Davis Jr. doing the the first one, and then bringing it to obviously the star-studded. Don Cheadle, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, all those guys, Alan Arkin, or he didn't, he might not come until 12 or 13, but point is that story, again, big, big, big name cast in two very different eras of Hollywood, both well done. This one, I think just maybe has a little bit more creativity with the humor and the, the depth of, of Danny Ocean as a character for sure. And kind of his like seedy nature, but also his like, love for tests and things like that so I don't know I think the more modernized idea just works too because I, I am younger but again you know how big a big a fan of of Dean and Frank my dad is so <laughs> that one yeah, was I've, I've heard him play that, some Dean yeah, Martin that was put in front of me early so that um yeah I, I do I, I like the remake I think a little bit better but that's not the takeaway from what they did first so so I had that on my list until about three hours ago. And this is where we get to the movie I mentioned earlier, 
uh, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire, obviously a remake of the 1922 film Nosferatu. Uh, I, the reason I loved this as a remake is because I'm a big fan of German Expressionism. Uh, I talked about The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari last week, uh, and I'll be talking about it again later. Um, huge fan of German Expressionism, uh, but Nosferatu the Vampire is not expressionist. It's realist, it's bleak, it's just a completely different tone and it creates for, otherwise it's pretty, pretty similar. I mean, the plot's basically the same, but it creates for like a, a different atmosphere. It's gothic and kind of spooky where the 22 one is spooky, but it's also silly and, and bizarre. And the actor who plays Nosferatu, I, I need to look up his name. He's incredible. Uh, Klaus Kinski is so yeah, I have good. not, I have not seen this or the original, so I can't really speak to this one personally. I recommend both of them. I love both the movies. Gotcha. All right. I'll have to add that to my, Sam. I have a Sam list straight up in, nice. my, in my notes. It's like, like my, I have a list of my own, obviously. And then it's like Sam colon <laughs> movie, 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 year, 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 year. <laughs> like, I love to hear that. <laughs> Um, all right, where'd I get it? I lost it. All right, so my next one, this is a kind of a quick, almost honorable mention because it's not really a remake. It's, it is a remake, but it's more just a character adaptation, I'd say. I just said Batman because it's been done so many times, but then you get from those older, older films that like are not to take away from them again, but don't compare remotely to Nolan's trilogy or the new, um, Robert Pattinson, uh, Batman, that just were, again, as we said, we went on that little tangent uh, yeah. at the end of our endings because of the Dark Knight. They're stunning and, and they work in every facet of like what a movie is, should be the stories it tells and the character, the character arcs, um, acting, every, all the shots, the creativity, the, it's all there in both of, well, all of Nolan's movies and then in, in the new, the Batman. So, I just think the the adaptation of that char character and the way it's evolved through um, through Hollywood kind of like in media basically is 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 a very good remake. That's very fair. I, I thought about yeah. that, but I was like, I don't know if I want to count that as a remake. <laughs> yeah, because it's not you're, it's not like you're remaking a certain movie. It's 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 yeah. a character that's been readapted. So kind of cheating, but definitely fair. So for my fourth, I have, again, this is a one that everyone picks. It's an uh, absolute classic, Scarface, Brian De Palma's Scarface, uh, yep. a remake of Howard Hawks's, Hawks's, I don't know, uh, Howard Hawks film, I, I think it's called Scarface, I don't know. Uh, again, it's a, it's a reimagining. The plot I think is similar, but not exactly the same. I think uh, in the original, they're Italian, they're obviously, what, Cuban and Cuban. Scarface? Cuban. Yeah. yeah. Um, Al Pacino puts forth an incredible role. Tony Montana is one of the most classic characters he's he's ever. He's electric. He's electric. Absolutely. It's, it's so good. I, it, I just really love that movie. So that's my number yeah. four. I, I almost put Scarface. So, yeah. I, the only reason I didn't, I think, is because I hadn't seen the, the original. So I couldn't speak to how it compared. And I didn't want to have to, like, I figured you might have it, so I, I didn't want to talk on it, but 
obviously like most people have seen the remake of Scarface and it's just it's yeah. perfect. Um, so moving on, I have one that's been done a few times and it's a star is born. I really, I really liked uh, what Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper did in the, in the newest version. I think Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand were in an older version. I think there's another one too. Uh, yeah, it's been done three times, I believe. Yeah. But um, again, this, this movie, I think was just evoked a lot of emotion. The music was great. I think the, again, shallow just broke the radio, <laughs> broke streaming platforms and charts. So it, it did what it needed to do. There was great depth in both of their characters. And you really, you really felt kind of what they were feeling as they went to the movie. And Sam Elliott as the brother um, also played a great role. And I, I just, yeah, it was a, it's a, it's a moving watch for sure. So I think it was well done. That's a good pick. Uh, my number five and my final best remake is another Brian De Palma film. It's another one that's more so a reimagining than a remake. It is uh, his uh, 1981 film Blowout starting, starring uh, John Travolta. It is a reimagining of Michelangelo Antonioni's film, great name by the way, uh, but his film Blow Up. Blow Up is about a photographer who um, like during a photo shoot takes a picture of a, a murder. It's a crime and he's got to, you know, use his pictures to solve it or whatever. Blow Out, the reimagining is that John Travolta is a sound technician for like a low budget horror movie. So he's out getting ambient noise like trees and wind and stuff. And he records a car crash that uncovers a, a big governmental conspiracy. And it's classic Brian De Palma filming. It's uh, a creative reimagining of a concept that's been done. And it's probably my favorite John Travolta performance ever. It's, I really, really love that movie. Again, I can't speak to it. I haven't seen either one, but I do based on, again, our other list kind of episodes and, and just knowing you as a person, I trust it. <laughs> I, I trust the judgment. And so again, I have six on my best list. So I'm just going to give them both like kind of back to back here since your list is not ready for best. And then I only have, I have one less for worst. Yeah. So I'll do the same thing for worst. All right, cool. Um, so I have, this might be a hot take to a lot of people, but karate kid again, not to say that it, not to say that it surpasses the first one by any means. Cause I, I love the original, but I actually really enjoyed the the remake, as a lot of people I know didn't. Speaking but, of Smith family. Yeah, for real. I think the going to China was a very different, um, again, obviously a different setting, but a different kind of imagination, like of where this story was going to go. And the relationship between, like the acting was very believable between Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. I think it was well done, the relationship, the bond they formed. So uh, for those reasons, I, I just put it up there. I don't think this movie was bad by any means. I don't know why. I think the only reason it gets flack is because people were so like devoted to it. It didn't necessarily need to happen, but it did. But that doesn't make it bad, you know? So that's, that's why it's a decent one in my book. I don't know if you have any opinions on that. You've seen it, right? I have. I 
think it is a fine, it, it's one of those movies where it's there. I don't have really any complaints, but I don't have anything about it that I love. It's, it's there. And yeah. I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, yeah. But like, it could have been atrocious and it wasn't. And I think that is a positive. Yeah, for sure. And then my other one, again, recent, recent movie, West Side Story. I loved it. I think Steven Spielberg did an amazing job adapting musical to screen like in such a a gripping way like where it was gorgeously shot and very decadent too and the the first one wasn't that like it, it was kind of dull like it just didn't have the like it was it was so old again there, was, there wasn't as much they could do that they can do now with like convincing like even just like when someone gets stabbed or something like that like it's just it's not as real when you're watching it it, it almost looks like they shot a stage performance and then just put that on screen as opposed to this is a full movie but you almost feel like you're on stage with the characters performing like just because you're watching and it's like it's all right there you know like you're on, on the setting and it was really i think it was just well done and i obviously think spielberg's a genius so i have not seen it yet i maybe will i've heard very yeah. good things i really don't like musicals but i have yeah, heard very good things <laughs> You're not a musical guy, but I, and it might, that might not be your favorite thing about it is like, again, like the, the breaking in a song or something like that, but I give it a watch just as a, a movie admirer and how, how it's done, like pay yeah. more attention to that. And that, that you, I think you'll still enjoy it. I do. So we moving on to the worst remix. We've oh, ever seen. please let me land based a few of these. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, since you have five, you go first, but I think we might share one. Okay. I, I don't know. Uh, the first one I'm going to get off my chest because I think it's my hottest take because a lot of people really love it. It is, uh, Luca Guadagnino's 2018 remake of Suspiria. So Suspiria, the original Dario Argento's 1977 film is one of my top three favorite movies ever. And I just don't think it needed to be remade. And I think having this be a Suspiria movie did it a disservice because I don't think it's a bad movie. And I don't think Luca Guadagnino is a bad director, but it's fundamentally not Suspiria. So I feel like if in remakes, movies could do what they do for like book adaptations, where they change the title and they, you know, take creative liberties and then they have something that credits says like based on whatever, then I probably would think this movie's fine at least, but just because it's a remake of one of my favorite movies and it changes so much and it's so tonally different and fundamentally not the same movie, it, I don't know, it very much frustrates me. But I, it's probably not fair, but I really hated watching this movie. So that's my, that's my first one. All right. My first one is going to be my biggest one just because I want to get it out there. And again, this is what I feel like you should be able to guess. Maybe. Now, I want you to throw one guess out there before I say it. Um, we both I, love I'm, I'm, the original. We both love the original. What the heck? I, I have no idea. I can't right, think of a single the, it is it is the Gus Van Sant 1998 oh, okay. remake yeah. of Alfred 
Alfred Hitchcock's perfect 1960 film, Psycho. Okay, Gus Van Sant as a director, I like him. I mean, like, I don't think he's necessarily bad. Um, But, and there's movies I've seen of his that I liked. I can't, like, I can't even think of any offhand, but, like, I I know I've watched Gus Van Sant movies that I've enjoyed. But this movie sucked. (laughs) It had, the acting was so unconvincing, again, from a guy I love, Vince Vaughn, to, uh, to play Norman Bates, just not even close, not even, like, close to as well as anthony perkins um and i think the 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 plot was it it was like almost the same movie but it was just done so much worse and i think that's why and again when you have such an iconic director in, in alfred alfred hitchcock i can't say that right now i don't know why but to just almost insult what goes down as one of the best endings ever one of the like did you have that on your ending endings list maybe honorable mention Psycho? I, I didn't but it is very yeah I, didn't, I, I yeah i thought about it but to have such an iconic movie like that again talk about something that didn't need remade uh, yeah and then and then to just drop the ball that hard is is just kind of embarrassing and i i hated every second of this because i wanted to watch it and just see if i was curious you know because I, I liked the original i watched it in i think my film history class but man i just it just took me out of it like I just wasn't into it at all I also think one of the big like uh factors that people love about uh Hitchcock's original is the aesthetics and I think Gus Van Sant's version is just incredibly aesthetically underwhelming it's just I don't know oh my god the visuals are very boring in the honestly I think the color almost kind of takes me out of it too because I just I almost associate that film with like the essence of like black and white i think even if you hadn't seen the original psycho you wouldn't like it (laughs) yeah so for my number two it's i'm gonna do the other one on my list that i think a lot of people really like and i think that's fair and i get why a lot of people like it but it is um fede alvarez's 2013 remake of evil dead sam raimi's evil dead it is in that era of horror movies. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Horror is my favorite genre. Uh, it has been for a couple of years, but um, yeah. it's in that era of horror movies that I really hate. And for most of my life, I thought I hated horror because I was born in 2000. So I was watching right. movies from the 2000s. And it was the trend was these grimy, kind of dirty, gross, uh, very Rob Zombie. Uh, foreshadowing very Rob Zombie uh, right. movies and I don't think it works for Evil Dead it's another one where it's a well-made movie I really don't I think it's fundamentally not the Evil Dead Evil Dead is camp it's kind of comedy it's horror comedy uh, Sam Ra- it's Sam Raimi doing silly stuff with the camera and Bruce Campbell like hamming it up and chewing up yeah. scenery. Yeah. I just I don't know why it needed a gritty remake. It didn't make any sense to me. It's unnecessary and it's fundamentally not evil dead. And I don't really like it. Yeah. I don't I don't remember hating that movie. I did watch, I believe what's the newer one? Because it was made in like what? 20 
13, 12, something like that. 2013. Okay, yeah. I definitely remember watching that. I didn't hate it, but I was also young, and I just – I went through a phase where I did not like anything I watched, so that might have been attributed it's to It's also that. not a bad movie. A lot of people really love it, and I think that is fair. It's just not my style. Yeah, that's my thing. Is like I just can't remember enough about it because it was one of those things that it was kind of a one-off. I watched yeah. it and then just kind of – so I guess that says enough. I didn't feel any need to you know, go give it a rewatch. Sticking with horror – Moving on to um, my next one, we have Poltergeist. I uh, I remember watching this the the original for the first time, and I loved it. Um, and when I saw there was a remake, I it was the opposite of the usual like, oh, I'm pissed off. There's a remake reaction. I was actually um, like really excited because I was like, oh, there will probably be some better CGI. You know, maybe it'll be more convincing, more scary than the original. Because sometimes the some of the older horror movies they don't get you as well with like being scared it's almost like the elements of suspense that get you more than the actual like what you're looking at you know um so i was excited and then i hated it i thought the cgi was hokey um the acting was way less convincing than in the original it just wasn't as good of a movie it was disappointing <laughs> I, I do agree with that one i don't like that movie like the remake yeah love the original i mean the original poltergeist though is such a great horror movie it is. Uh, so continuing again with horror, mine are going to be horror for the rest of the way out. Um, I, I said earlier, foreshadowing for Rob Zombie, I have Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween. It's another this one. Is, this I is on my list too. I don't know why. <laughs> why does, it have, does Halloween have to be a Rob Zombie style film where like the family like rednecks that are yelling at each other. I, I don't it like was it. horrible. They took a beautifully done character in Michael Myers and just ruined him. Well, I think one of the great things about Michael Myers in Halloween and even like Halloween H2O, which is not great, but it's fine. And uh, Halloween 2 is that he, there's no, there's not a reason. He's like, he's, he's the boogeyman. He's evil. He's like yeah. pure evil. There's not a backstory. I don't really need to see a back. He just killed his sister one day. Yeah, I don't need to know that he was bullied and people made fun of his mom being a hooker and yeah, all that stuff. Also, again, it's another one where stylistically, I just really, really, really hate the early 2000s gritty, yeah. like, grimy horror. It's just, I, I just really don't yeah. like it. You also just didn't need it with this too. It was just yeah. so unnecessary. Like a lot of times it's just his brute strength. Like he'll just strangle people. Like it's not, yeah, I don't know. I hated it. It was on my list, but I wanted to make it clear whenever I, so when I was going to say this one, I, uh, I do. So I love this franchise. I like Halloween, the original, all the whole original well. series of like one through six up until like H2O, because I didn't like H2O. But the, the new ones I like, like the new, new ones. Like, the I like ones, one of the them. 20, tw- tw- yeah, 2019 and then Halloween Kills, I thought was, okay I, th- I that i don't think should have been done i think they should have just ended it with the the one remake with jamie lee curtis being like kind of victorious you know i tend but, to agree yeah but that being said that that was good but the yeah the rob zombie earlier 2000s one just mm, a mockery this, this is a little bit of tangent but i remember when we when we were like a lot younger, like probably too young to know what Halloween is. 
you were like telling me the lore of the Halloween franchise. And this is when I thought I hated lore. So I was like, I don't want to hear this. And you're telling me about how in this movie, oh, she cuts off his head. And it, it was a conversation we had. And now, like, you can't see it, but I have two Halloween posters on my wall. I have a Halloween and a Halloween 3 poster uh, on, yeah. on my wall in my office. And it's just funny because I love that franchise now. But when you were telling me about it, when we were like seven, yeah. I hated it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, because that was like my first scary movie, you know? So yeah. I was all about it. And I thought it, it wouldn't like, it's not too much for someone who like wants to like get into horror and stuff. And I was just trying to explain to you like, yeah. And then, then he's his sister and or she's yeah. his sister. And he, he comes back again and there's a baby this time. It's like, there's because there is a lot to digest when you go through that original six movies. Yeah. And then I, like, they kind of just er they erased all that, I guess, for the, the newest one. But I'm fine with that. As much as I love the character, I do kind of wish they did uh, John Carpenter's original vision, which was to make it an anthology series, which is why Halloween 3 has nothing to do with the rest of them. Right. I think that would have been interesting, but also Michael Myers is like an incredible the, character so they the, had to the keep best. going with him he's the best of the iconic villains of like you know spooky time like freddy krueger and jason him he's just the best of them so yeah glad we agree on that one that one i guess we, we talked a little bit longer but that was on both of our lists so yeah so we're we going back to me because halloween was yours as well no hell yeah, well, yeah sure yeah that works okay so uh, keeping it with the iconic horror icons, it's redundant, but keeping it with horror icons, uh, I have the 2010 remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, is my favorite of the 80s um, iconic uh, horror movies. It's very close between that and Halloween, but Freddy Krueger is one of my favorite characters. I think the fact that he's funny and still like very scary is great. And it's another one, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's another <laughs> one of the 2000s gritty, oh, he's, he's scary. And like the, the actor, uh, I'm gonna look up his name really quickly. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley, I like a lot. I think he's a very good actor. He should not have been Freddy Krueger. It, it's just the, not the same character. They're another one that, uh, you know, trigger warning for people. They also make it overt that he uh, like assaults the kids, like sexually assaults the kids, which they didn't say in the original. Right. And I don't really like for the character because, like, in that movie, you're supposed to hate him because he's evil and he's the devil or whatever. Yeah. But in the originals, he's funny and you, he makes you laugh. So you're kind of like, yeah. oh, he's killing people, but also he's. Yeah, scary. that's like really uncomfortable too. That's just like it, a. I don't know why they did that and I really don't like it. But yeah, I, I hate that movie. So, Sam, tell me, do you like 2000s horror? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I think after this, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. You got to drive that one home a little bit yeah. further so keep talking about any, it. any any listeners looking for early 2000s horror wrecks maybe don't go to sam definitely don't you'll be like no fire away that whole decade it doesn't exist um all right so for my next one uh i just i won't talk too much about this one because it's just kind of whatever again i part of me even i guess i didn't like it it was just it was okay 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory compared to the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it just loses me. Some of the acting's not there. Like the kids aren't good. The Johnny Depp, like I like him, but this wasn't it's a role a weird for him. character. It's a, it was he's supposed to be more fun, less like I'm creepy. This is my candy factory, and that's totally what I get. And it's just yeah, it took me out of it. And then the Oompa Loompas weren't like real people. It was just a CGI of Deep Roy a hundred times. Yeah, <laughs> it was really kind of just frighteningly weird. So yeah, I didn't love it. There's one line that I love, and that's in the elevator comes crashing into the house. One of the grandparents because I think there's someone at the door. That's like the the only thing I took from that movie was that line. <laughs> I agree that it's a bad movie. However, I watched it a lot when I was like five. Or how yeah, loud or old. I have a to, lot of nostalgia for it. Yeah, who wouldn't want to go to a candy factory? I mean, yeah. of course, but still, but I do think look, the looking back at it, it's back. not good. Yeah. Gene Wilder doing the like the iconic somersault. That's yeah. just there's just there's things about that movie that are more meaningful to me. But I'm more concerned about the upcoming prequel the, with Timothy Chalamet. I'm very concerned about that. I don't think it's gonna be good. They're making a prequel. Yeah, where Timothy Chalamet is Willy Wonka. It's just called Wonka. As a child? Like a teenager? Yeah, I mean, 20-something, whatever. I mean, maybe. That's a t- he's a talented kid. Maybe he'll do something with it. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, so my last one, was that your last one? Yeah, that was all I had for this one. Oh, okay, so my last one is um, pretty consistently considered by people one of the worst movies of all time much less remakes and it is 2000 and continuing with the 2000s trend 2006 is uh wicker man which is a remake of the oh, 70s yeah. movie yeah people hate that <laughs> the original wicker man is a perfect example of folk horror it's subtle it's done really well the acting's incredible uh christopher lee is one of the greatest characters in film history in that movie and then all the subtlety and like the mystery in that movie gets like thrown out the window by how insane and off the walls the remake is. I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan. I love Nicolas Cage. He's so bad in that movie. It's unbelievable. I can't, I cannot fathom how horrible he's acting in that movie. Yeah. And this is from the guy who on his endings episode talked about the big movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a massive Nicolas Cage fan. I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, understandable. Um, I've not seen it just because I, again, read how, like, I almost don't even want to waste my two hours just watching it. There are parts but, that are funny because it's over the top, but it's right. bad. Yeah, so maybe not on that one, but, yeah, coming from you, that's a lot, too, as a, as a Nicolas Cage fan. All right, so that does that do it for your, your worst? That does. All right, so moving on to the should remake. I think this is the most interesting part because there's a lot of you know people everywhere are always saying like, oh, I, I wish they would redo that and redo you know redo this, and then who knows, maybe they'll end up on our best or worst list. Yeah, on how they go. But so my first one is To Kill a Mockingbird, just because you know I love the book. I we read the book I think in like tenth grade. I really enjoyed it, and I think it's got a powerful message. Um, especially like right now, kind of with how the world is. Yeah. Um, and I think the the original movie we watched it after we read the book, and it's just a little it's it's a little old. It's dated, like it's it's good, 
but I feel like you'd reach such a wider audience with it if you remade it, you know? Yeah. And that's just, that's kind of my only reasoning. Cause I think you'd, for a lot of these, my reasoning is that I think you'd reach either a newer audience or a wider audience. I do agree with that. I do like the original. I think Gregory Peck's very good. Yeah, for sure. So for my first, I am picking a not super well-known movie. It's a 1971 film called The House That Dripped Blood. It is a one of those like, I don't know if it's Hammer, but it's Hammer-esque or it's uh, an anthology movie. And it stars um, uh, Peter Cushing, Vincent Price, and um, I just said his name like two seconds ago. The guy from Wicker Man, who's a bad guy in Wicker Man, and he saw on. I lost his name. I, uh, but it stars them, Christopher Lee. Stars them in their respective like lead roles because there's four stories. And I just think the idea of these kind of silly 60s, 70s um, B horror movies getting redone. And also anthologies. Anthologies are dead. I don't know why. I love anthologies. Yeah. Because it's like it's like episodes of a TV show. And I think that's really cool. And they all surround this house. Maybe, maybe house that's that why. Hey, maybe that's why. Because I, you could make it a series. It's just easier to do anthology style stuff as a as a TV show. I, I would even you know? say if if they remade this, they could remake it as like a limited series with five episodes. But That'll be one the of idea mine. where there's this house and th there's different kinds of hauntings and monsters, that would be really cool. Like, I don't know. I really like that thing where it's four different stories, but it's one house. Uh, there was an animated movie that had a similar plot. It just came out on Netflix, uh, but it's not. It's okay. Gotcha. So this is kind of a callback to our first episode. Um, but again, since we're on the same wave of like doing things as a series potentially this is actually happening but i figured i'd throw it on my list anyway percy jackson, percy jackson. because you had mentioned it um you know our first episode and i do think yes it should be remade just because they didn't get to finish not again not even because i i hated the other one because i told you that's a guilty pleasure of mine but i think they can do better i think they will do better and I think it will work uh, better as a series. So I'm glad that's how they're electing to do this one instead of just trying movies again and maybe failing again because there's also, a lot of content. I'm really glad it's actual 12 year olds this time and they don't like it. Yes. It's more like Harry Potter, like they'll have time to grow. It's not like, all right, yeah, Logan Lerman's what, 18, supposed yeah. to be 12. Oh, shoot, now he's 25. Yeah. Can't make him look like a kid. <laughs> that that is a good one. And I'm glad that they're producing that. Because as I said last episode, I grew up a little nerd and I love those books. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And there's so many of us that would like like to see that. So keeping with the theme of throwbacks the last episode, uh, I mentioned that I would bring up the cabinet of Dr. Caligari again. And I think if they did a remake of the cabinet of Dr. Caligari where they still had not necessarily the same way they did it in the, in the twenties, but the set design where it's like Gothic and like distorted and nightmarish, because that's an important part of the plot for people who haven't seen it, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it's an important part of the plot that it looks like that. I do think they might have to update the ending 
because there is a twist that in recent years has become kind of tired. It's been done before. In the 20s, it hadn't been done. It was right. crazy. As you, mentioned, as you mentioned on our first episode. Exactly. Uh, but just redoing that with sound so that people will actually watch it because not a lot of people are watching silent movies uh, and like notable actors, but still having that same aesthetic and vibe would be very cool. Yeah, that I, I would definitely be intrigued to see. Uh, who, who would you want to direct that out of curiosity? <laughs> I think it would be interesting thing for Robert Eggers to direct because I know he he's in talks to do a Nosferatu remake right now and I know he loves uh that German expressions thing but he, he directed The Witch in The Lighthouse if you don't know right um I think he could he could kill it and make it like truly scary like terrifying movie yeah for sure that's a good call so my next one once again calling back to our other episode maybe you would like this one I don't know I would as much as I think Casablanca belongs in that, you know, black and white classical, like old cinema style, you can maybe even do it like a noir version of it now, kind of like The Lighthouse, you know, and other, mm-hmm. other, other films. But I think not enough people our age like enjoy it or have seen it in the same way I think it can be enjoyed. So if it was well done, I just think, again, like I said, with To Kill a Mockingbird, you could reach a wider audience just because some people have that like new thought of just ah it's old I don't need to watch it and I think you you'd grab people if, if you did it right I do I think that is the best like way to look at this where it's like these are important movies that are some people will see as inaccessible so if we made them yeah. accessible they'll get the yeah. important like, parts of it. there is there is brilliance there in storytelling but people just don't seek it out exactly so calling back for the fourth time in the last episode <laughs> i mentioned Jeez, another one i mentioned Holy last shit. episode that i just watched a, a film called haxon which uh was like a kind of mockumentary style um film about like the occult and like witches and, and devil worship and whatever and it again i think that's you, you've seen it with um, what we do in the shadows, which is like a mockumentary horror. But doing that, where you're, it's like it's informative, like it's a like a, it's an edutainment thing, but it's not real, obviously, because you know the occult. Some people believe it, maybe it's real, but regardless, um, doing that and having good practical effects, because one of the best parts of the original movie is the costuming and the practical effects. I think I think it could be such a cool movie. And I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Yeah, real for real. Um, is that all you got to say about that one? Yes. All right. Uh, so moving on, uh, here's another one that actually I think it's being done with Jason Sudeikis taking on Jimmy Stewart's old role. And I would say It's a Wonderful Life. This is a Christmas classic. I think people might even resent me saying this one this is this might be kind of a hot take especially because this is one where you can't really make the argument of it needs to reach a newer or wider audience because people still watch this even though it's an older movie it's it's on every channel like every christmas almost but i don't know i just think a reimagining could be could be interesting that's like it's honestly pure curiosity for this one for me just to see what it could be 
Yeah, I would definitely real. watch it. Um, Especially after having Jason Sudeikis do a more seriously noted role in Ted Lasso. Like, even though it's yeah. funny, there are some very seriously toned things in that that he just hasn't done before. And I think he's killing it. He's um, a good actor. Yeah, I think I think this would be a, I mean, not would be. It's it's going to be really good, I think. Um, so for my second to last one, I have I put a specific movie, but it's more so a general thing. I put The Tingler, which is a 1959 B-horror movie directed by William Castle. But really, most William Castle movies, there have been two. 13 Ghosts was done in the 2000s, and The Haunting was done in 99. Uh, Dark Age of, of Culture, I hate the 2000s. Everything from that era can burn. Uh, but if they did... <laughs> a good remake of The Tingler. And I should give some backstory. William Castle made events. They were not really well-received movies. And if you look back on them, they're, they're, you know, they're campy and hokey and, and whatever. But one of the big uh, draws was you'd go to the theaters and there would be a gimmick. And for The Tingler, it's a movie about like a, a monster that's attached to everyone's spine. And when you get afraid, it paralyzes you. And the only way to get it to... Uh, release is to scream so you have to scream holy shit (laughs) installed like obviously you can't do this today but he installed like electric shocks in some of the seats so for some parts of the movie people would get shocked oh my god and again this is 1959 you're not doing this today but the gimmick of it and he would hire actors to go to showings and just like stand up scream and then faint and wow uh, there's a part of the movie where they break the fourth wall and they say, oh, the tingler has escaped in your theater. Scream, scream for your life or you'll, you know, pass out or whatever. And everyone has to scream or the tingler's going to get them. That's a really cool concept. And I think if we brought that back, it would make going to the theaters, which I think people are losing interest in, not right now, but in general, uh, I think it can make it a bigger event where people are going to want to go because it's a fun thing where you get to scream and there's actors in the theater yeah and that's I almost that like cool. making it like a ride in essence like if exactly. you think about like like disney world there's some of their attractions are literally just what they consider like 4d theaters because they they have things that like happen to you in your seat yeah. and yeah i mean that's it that might be where theaters are headed where it's like more of a big attraction a bigger thing you do maybe tickets to a movie are more expensive but you do it less often Mm-hmm. And it's they're they're main, mainly in major cities or things like that, but yeah, that's that's an interesting thought, especially with where where um, in person like not streaming cinema is going. Yeah. Um. So my last one, moving on here, is is close to my heart. It's a childhood favorite. I'd say Goonies. And again, okay. a part of me doesn't want to see this remade just because I do love the original, but I think again to reach newer audience, wider audience. Um, it's necessary and I, I would love to see it especially if, again as all assuming it's well done but I think the fascination of especially the kids our age with um, Outer Banks mm-hmm. you that's very Goonies to me like just the idea of like what they're doing you know like the, the treasure hunting nature of it and I think that story kind of never gets old and like it's always somewhat enticing and I think just yeah a, a newer updated you know, modernized version of that would be really, really awesome. You could even, you could do the same story and just do it over again. But I think if it were more of like how we talked about earlier, like a reimagined concept 
similar storyline, you know, similar stakes with why they're Jason Treasure and things like that, it'd be it'd be awesome. I like that one. I think I mean I love the original, but I do think it would be cool to see a remake of that. So for my final one, this is another weird one because it kind of has a caveat. Uh, it's a movie called The Alchemist Cookbook. It was done in 2016. It's an independent movie. I'm saying in like 20 years. I'm not saying right yeah. now because it's, right, it's right, four right. years old. But it's about a could chemist. You, could you imagine? Yeah, I know. Could you imagine someone comes out and just like, yeah, that one's had its time. <laughs> it's, it's a movie about a chemist in, who lives in a trailer and like he's obsessed with alchemy and trying to, you know, it, it gets into like the, the devil stuff and he accidentally potentially uh, brings back a demon. And it's two guys, and it's a very, very low budget. It's like a, a shoestring budget movie. And I think building on it, where it's like you turn this small, like indie movie that's just shoestring budget into a bigger movie where that movie, the original still exists, but you know, you expand on it and turn it into like a Hollywood movie, I think would be interesting to see. And it's a really well written and well done film. Uh, I wanna shout out the director. Uh, Joel Portricus. I apologize if I mispronounced that, but everyone should look up the Alchemist Cookbook. It's a really it's interesting like Joel movie. Is Imagine if Joel Portricus is listening to this. I know. So I, I'm so sorry. That you... <laughs> <laughs> but I really do think it's worth a watch. It's a very short film. It's 80 minutes or something. Uh, yeah. It's very good. I really like it. Yeah, that's, that, and that's an interesting note there like going like a small budget to a uh, big budget remake. Cause sometimes those get too Hollywoodized, you know, and they get I, too I do overblown. Worry like, about that. <laughs> almost like, like total recalls one that kind of comes to mind. Yeah. Where that got a little bit outlandish. Um, with like the, the three breasted woman and then yeah. <laughs> just random stuff like that. It was like calling to like the alien notes of the first one, but the fact that mm -hmm. we were like on earth, there was, I don't know, but I think that if done right, again, assuming that that is a really cool, cool idea, but all right, that wraps up the best, worst, and should remakes. Sam, any you, last comments? If you disagree with us, if you think uh, 2000s horror is the, the peak of, of film culture, tell us, <laughs> you know, uh, again, I'm uh, at s underscore t underscore brown on most social media yeah if you if you like the uh rob zombie halloween and you're in that cult please shout us out tell us why we're wrong yeah um i think uh we'll get a, a podcast instagram going here yeah. soon where you can also uh, message on there but yeah personally um greg underscore susie underscore 26 but if you have any comments you know please yeah, please let us know we love love the have any kind of film chat we can sam i'm gonna have to just make you a i love 2000s horror t-shirt <laughs> with yeah. just like all these all these movies like posters just lined up beneath and above the text evil dead rob zombie halloween <laughs> just all of them lined up that'll be that'll be your birthday present <laughs> nice i look forward to it <laughs> all right we'll see y'all later Bye. 